was I look around like, yep, I see all the people that were at the U of L game last night, which uh, didn't that turn out well? If you if you're well, all the fans are not here today. But, uh, just big win over Notre Dame, so that was pretty good. Uh, but uh, man, we're just we're just excited that you're here today, and and. I just want to celebrate a few people. Last Sunday, who we saw that took the next step and really uh, were united with Christ through baptism and given their life to Christ. So I want to give it up for just a few people. You're going to have to bear with me because there was a bunch of them. First up, I'm going to give it up for Dalton March. And uh, that little guy there, man, give it up for him. It was awesome. And we also celebrated with Jonathan Bailey, Jacob Ludwig. You give it for those guys. And uh, Charles Cowan and John Cord. You got a picture of those two fellas. And finally, certainly last but not least, is uh, Mindy Tabor. So we're really excited to celebrate with Mindy as well. This is awesome. Really, really awesome stuff to get to, to get to celebrate with them. And watching how God's moving in people's lives. It's exciting. I want to let you know about one other thing uh, before, I, before I dive in today is that um, we, about every year we try to do a kind of a 24, hour, uh, 24 hours of prayer. And we've done that a couple of different ways over the years. We used to do uh, overnight and what we found, that's kind of a difficult thing. Some people don't want to, you know, I don't blame you. I don't want to be here at 2 o'clock in the morning by myself either. It's kind of creepy. But, uh, you know, so, so we've do, spread that over, over two days. And the, the date on that's going to be October 23rd and 24th. And you can sign up for a time slot, an hour time slot to come in. There'll be stations set up that you can come and be in prayer for a lot of different things. It's certainly for your, your family and, and the things going on in your life, but also for our church and our community and the world. And uh, if you'd like to sign up, there's going to be a volunteer named Elaine Mitchum who will be up, uh, should be in the lobby uh, by one of the vertical TVs with uh, some sign-up sheets. And we need volunteers, so if you'd like to be part of that, be sure to see her after the service today. And you know, as we talk about prayer, and, and obviously that's what the topic is today, it's funny how we just sort of land there today. I uh, wanted to just kind of, you know, I don't, don't have a whole lot to say about this because it's, it's one of those big time question marks. But what we've got going on in the world right now, if you've been watching the news over the past 24 hours, you see that, that Israel's been attacked. And I heard this compared uh, that what, what Israel's experienced in the last 24 hours has been like our 9-11. That this was a surprise attack. Uh, that even though they're a superpower, that this just totally took blindsided them. And reading some of the stories, it's horrible, horrible things that are happening there. So as a Christian, I immediately go to, well, what does God's word say about this? Because he does talk about it. And, and one thing that we know is that, and God has said, that Israel is going to continue to be at war, has been at war, will continue to be at war because they're, they're persecuted from their neighbors. Uh, and and that's, just, that's just kind of the reality of it. Uh, but then there, there's also this, this understanding that we know there's going to be some horrible things that happen right before the second coming of Christ. And people have been, you know, we have to be careful there. Uh, and I know there'll be a lot of preachers today that'll be banging the pulpit and saying, this is it, this is it, this is it. Uh, we've said that before. Uh, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed because these things must happen, then the end will come. So... We don't want to get ourselves all, all mixed up, but we do want to be in prayer for these people who are experiencing horrible things right now. But we also understand we do have to keep an eye to the fact that Jesus also said that as the seasons change, you, as you see that happening, you'll know. You'll know when the second coming will occur. 
So we certainly do see that this is one thing that he said to be on, on the lookout for. So we want to be praying, and, but more importantly, and we're certainly praying for these people, praying for our world, but most importantly, we want to be making sure that we're staying close to Jesus, that we're not letting our hearts drift and becoming numb. You know, I think about just even in the last few weeks, the people that we're seeing that are coming to know Christ, and not just us, I'm talking to pastor friends that I have um, around the state and around the country that are seeing an unusual amount of people that are coming to Christ recently. They said, what is going on? I don't know. Is this like a, maybe another great awakening? We're not sure. But something's happening. The Spirit of God's moving, and we want to be sensitive to that. So let's take a moment to, to be in prayer for, our, uh, for the people around the world in Israel. Lord, we, uh, we want to lift them up to you now. I know there are many prayers going up today for those people and that nation. Uh, anytime we see evil, it's just, a, it's just hard, for us to, hard for us to comprehend what do we do now, what, what do we do. And there's nothing we can do, Lord, but sit back and watch and, and pray and grieve and, and, and whatever the, the, the things that we feel. We, we just come to you. We ask that you would be with these people that are suffering, the families that are broken, the lives that are lost, uh, that, you would, that you would just... That whatever your will is through this and in this, and that, that you would be glorified and that you would protect those that are in danger today. And Lord, we, we do pray and we look forward to the day when you snuff out evil uh, once and for all. But uh, God, it's just one of those days I really don't know what else to say other than Jesus, come, come quickly. And we ask all that in his name. Amen. Well, we've, uh, we've been spending a little time looking at the book of Matthew, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon that he ever gave. And it's powerful. And it's one of those, as I've been spending more time in it, I'm realizing some of the things that, uh, you know, you can read it and read it and read it, and, and, but miss uh, little, little things. And, and I, it's been really fascinating for me to, to go back and, and dive in deep. We're going to be in chapter 6 today. We're looking at the topic of prayer, probably one of the most famous Passages of scripture that a lot of people that, that don't even ever attend church, maybe they're not even Christians, and yet they have memorized at least parts of the Lord's Prayer. I, I know I've been to a lot of funeral services where standing around a graveside, we quote it, you know, or, or, or maybe in a, in a church situation, or even uh, I, I remember at the, uh, you remember a couple of years ago when DeMar Hamlin at the, at the Bengals game, uh, when, when he went down, when he was sacked and hit, and that the crowds were there chanting the Lord's Prayer for him uh, in that situation. So a lot of us know it, and yet, even though we know it, we're, we're really not completely certain or clear on what is Jesus saying to us. So that's hope. I'm hoping that's where we kind of get to today. Maybe we come out of here with a, a little bit of uh, just feeling convicted, inspired, and moved a little bit to where we would want to pursue God through prayer. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private, and then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. 
as we're going to pursue, what, what kind of a life did Jesus want us to live? If, if we're going to pursue that, if we're going to know, how does he want me to live? I think it's also important that we know how he doesn't want us to live. You know, if we're going to understand how does he want us to pray, then we need to know, well, how does he not want us to pray? And he kind of spelled it out for us right there. In regards to prayer, he says, don't make it about you. Don't, you know, and that's been the theme through the whole Sermon on the Mount is what's going on in your heart? You know, what are your motives there? And we talked about that a little bit last week, and I really believe, again, we could summarize most of the Sermon on the Mount with watch your heart. Jesus is not just concerned with what you do, but why are you doing it? And that is the issue that Jesus had with religious people. You say, why was he always, why was he always beating them up? You know, why was he always going after these people? Why? Because their hearts were messed up. They were legalistic. It was rules, rules, rules. Look at me. Look at what I do. Look at how I follow the rules. You need to be more like I am. And looking down on other people, he says, you guys are messed up. That is not appropriate for someone who claims to be a follower of God. You, you don't judge other people in that way. You don't look down on them. And, and, and they, they were hypocrites. And that was the whole, the whole thing is a hypocrite is someone who hides their true identity. They look great on the outside because that's what they want you to see. And they want you to be impressed with what you see. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're not the real deal. An old preacher named D.L. Moody, uh, one time, he said, your character is who you are in the dark. when When everybody's looking, that's not you. That's not the real you. That's the you that you want, that you're comfortable with other people seeing. But who are you when no one's looking? When only God is looking, who are you? That's the real you. And religious hypocrites, they're only concerned with what other people see. They're trying to wow everybody. They're trying to be something. They want to be impressive. They're trying to outperform everybody else. Religious hypocrites, they store up their treasures on earth. And Jesus is saying, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. That's it. Good for you. You followed the rules. Good for you. You posted something on Instagram. You're doing a good deed or being a, you know, but there's nothing else waiting on you in heaven. Our family, uh, we just spent a few days this past week in New York City. I never thought I'd go to New York City, but we did. And uh, people asked me, said, would you go again? I said, uh, probably not. Maybe not. It would be a long time before I would go back. But, it was, but I'm glad we went. And it was very interesting. Got to see a lot of, a lot of things. But we, and it's a very incredible, interesting experiences. One of the things that I noticed there, there's a lot of religious diversity. A lot of it. And it was pretty obvious, just by looking, you could tell who follows what religion. You know, I mean, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a secret. Uh, we went into some, some uh, cathedrals that were breathtaking, just unbelievable architecture. You know, one, one thing that we encountered over and over and over again, there were these Jewish men. Uh, they were on the sidewalks. They are all dressed up and wearing these prayer shawls. And, and, uh, and, and some of them even have, have phylacteries. On their, on their foreheads, those little boxes that had scriptures in them. You know, I remember there's places in, in, uh, in scripture where Jesus talked about this, and the Bible talks about, you know, he, he would say, oh, religious people, they love to wear their phylacteries, you know, and these big, huge, and I didn't, this is just how, I guess, dull I am. I didn't know that, that was still a thing. I didn't know that people still did that, but there they were. And, and, uh, and, and, and anyways, you'd run into these guys, and, and 
we had this happen probably a dozen times. They, they asked me, say, are you Jewish? And, uh, and I, 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 don't, I didn't know why they kept asking me that. They said, why, are you Jewish? I'm like, I, I'm like, no, but my Lord and Savior was. But I'm not going to go there. But uh, I, I had to look it up. I'm like, why are they, why are they doing this? And, and it's because they're looking for other Jewish people who might like to pray, and they have these little buses that you can get on, and they'll put a prayer shawl on you, and they'll put those boxes on your head, and they'll recite these prayers. One day, I was going for a run in Central Park, and I, I saw another man. He was uh, had to have been Muslim, as he put down right in the middle of the right in the middle of the street. He puts this rug down, and he knelt down, and I, he had to have been facing Mecca, I'm sure, and he was down on his knees. He's up and down, up and down, reciting this prayer over and over, saying these things. And uh, I almost tripped over him, but he's just, he's just repeating the same thing over and over. It's just this really public thing. And, and I thought about this passage, and I thought about what Jesus was saying, and, and, and this is what I, th- I believe he's really trying to help us understand. Jesus wants us to understand what the heart of our Father God is like. See, as you approach him, as you are in a relationship with God, your Father... I want you to know what he's like. And so I'm looking at these people doing this public thing with prayer and the boxes on their head and the shawls and the mats in the middle of the street. And the, the only thing I could think is, man, these people, they really don't understand the father heart of God. They really, they really don't. And I feel sorry. I, feel, I wish that they would. And maybe they don't have a good representation of an earthly father either. And what I mean by that, maybe perhaps they had to perform for their father. Maybe there were things that were, you know, super high expectations that could never be met. <clears throat> when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he doesn't look at religious people and say, oh, see how they do it? Do it like that. They're doing a great job. Pray like that. That's not what he does. He says, look to kids who have a loving father in their life and watch how they communicate with him. Do you see that? Do you see the, the closeness that they have How do they talk? How do they listen? What is the relationship that they enjoy with their father? Jesus said in verse 6, pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now there are other places in the New Testament where we're told that we can approach God freely and simply. A loving father makes it simple for his child to communicate with him. There aren't a lot of barriers in place. It's not, a, you need to say all these things first. You need to get in this, you know, get in this position or, or, or put this shawl on you or do, do these things. If, if you had a dad, let's say that your earthly father was, was the kind of guy that you had to perform for him a little bit, then, then you, you probably don't consider him to be a very good father. You would say, yeah, there was some negative, you know, and, and none of us have perfect fathers, right? But you would say, yeah, I wish he hadn't been like that. I really had to kind of perform. And if he, and definitely, if he required you, before you could come talk to him, that you had to put a box on your head or wear a shawl or put a mat down in the middle of the street and say the same things over and over and over and over again, if that's what your father wanted, you would say, well, he's probably not a very loving father. And that's what Jesus is saying. You don't have to perform to get God's attention. Just come before him. It's, it's not a, a good idea to, to pray in a way where you're just trying to get the attention of people because that's not who God is. There's an interesting passage in Galatians 4, verse 6. It says, because we are his children, 
God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, some people, and maybe some of you have heard this, that the word Abba, it is, it's an intimate term. Uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it sort of signifies closeness. And some people have said that the best understanding of the word Abba is, to, is the word Daddy. I disagree. And, and here's why. Because in, in the language of the day, they had a term for, for that, for a little child that was walking up to his dad and saying, Papa, Papa, or Daddy, or whatever. They had a term for that. This is not the term. Can we put that scripture back up for just a moment? The word Abba, and I really hope that you, you understand the distinction here. Because um, whenever I hear somebody say, oh, Abba, that means Daddy, I cringe a little bit. This is not a childish word. But it does signify childlike trust and, and closeness. The, the better understanding of, of what this is saying to us is, is you think of an adult, and maybe for some of you this is you. You had a wonderful, or you have, a wonderful, loving father. Maybe he was a great example of what it looks like to be a part of your life and lead, and, and he loved God and, and a faithful man. If, if you have that kind of a a dad, and you had that relationship with him, when you would call him up, what would you say? You would say, hey, dad. That's how you would t talk to him. That's how you speak to him. It's not childish, but it's close. You wouldn't call him by his first name. Hey, John. You, you, you wouldn't say, oh, holy, righteous father who's so far from me and disconnected, and I'm going to say these things. No, you would say, hey, hey, dad, because it's it's indicating the familiarity and and that's what what it is for us jesus is showing us this is this is simple we don't have to overcomplicate it god wants you to approach him simply so we'll look at this model that jesus gives us this is the lord's prayer many of you know it he says again pray like this our father in heaven may your name be kept holy so it's indicating the closeness right that that's the relation he is a, he is a like a dad to us. And yet, he is not like us. May your name be kept holy. That's reverence. I love you. I'm close to you. But I also understand that you are God. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, a lot of you, maybe you've memorized that in the, the King James Version. Uh, that's, uh, that's the one with all the arts and thous. <laughs> you know, our, kingdom, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus gave us this, this prayer, he was not giving us something to quote. Although I don't have a problem with that. I, I, don't have, I don't take any issue with people reciting the Lord's Prayer. That's fine. But he was giving us a model. You notice what he said there. At the very beginning, he, he didn't say, when you pray, pray these words. He said, when you pray, pray like this. It's, it's a model. It's, some people have, have made the Lord's Prayer into a ritual, though. That's the only thing they pray. And, I was talking to somebody just a couple of weeks ago. They said, oh, yeah, every day I get up, I, I, I recite the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, okay. Well, do you talk to God? Well, yes, I recite the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, but do you talk to God? Uh, 
that is elevating the action over the purpose. It's focusing on what we're doing, not why I'm doing it. And, and, and I, I love the story that, that uh, John, our worship minister, tells. This is an experience that he had years ago. He was at a church, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and at, this, at this church, every Sunday, there was a point in the service where they would all recite the Lord's Prayer together, which is fine. Again, I don't have any issue with that. But the, the funny thing was, what they would do, they'd come to that part of the service, and everyone would stand up, and they would turn around and face the back wall. And they would recite the Lord's Prayer. And they, every week they did that. And so John asked the question to somebody. He says, why? why, why I, okay, I get the Lord's Prayer. That's fine. Why do you stand up and turn around and face the back wall? That is so, so interesting. And nobody knew. Like you couldn't find anybody that knew why they did that until they found this little old lady. They said, you know, Gertrude or whatever her name was. Why, why, do we do, why, why is it that we turn around and face the back wall? She said, oh, that's because years ago we had a banner up there that had the Lord's Prayer on it. So we'd all get up, turn around, and read it. They took it down a long time ago. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. What, why are you doing what you're doing? If, if we're not careful, we will do all kinds of stuff like that. We'll let things become ritual. We'll let things become tradition that we don't know why we do it. We just do it because we think, you know, and, and we can do that with communion or baptism or tithing or praying. We have to remember, why am I doing this? Why does God ask me to do this? And what is my heart? It shouldn't be a ritual. It needs to be part of a vibrant relationship with God. This is how we walk with him. And, and the Lord's Prayer, this really big statement that Jesus is making. God is a father. Jesus is a big brother. And that we are a family. That's what he's saying. This is meant to be a personal relationship with God. Through Jesus that we enjoy together as a family. You, you notice the very first two words of the Lord's Prayer. He does not say. When you pray say this. My father. He says our you can't miss that. That's one of those little things. I'm telling you, when I read stuff, I'm like, oh, you know, I've never really, really dialed in there. Why, did he, why didn't he say my father? He says our father because we have a shared relationship with him. Because you cannot be a Christian and not be a part of a church. That's not the way it works. I know people that say that all the time. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a part of a church. That's, that's not how it works. You, you, you have to be a part of the body. He's created us for one another. That's, that's how this works. It's this connectedness we're meant to enjoy. When you become a Christian, you know, we celebrate all these people who have been baptized, who've given their life to Christ, and, and, and I hope that they understand and we understand and we're doing our job to help them. You have been born into a new family. You have your earthly family, and I hope that they're wonderful, but you also have now a spiritual family, the church, that we're here for one another. And this is, this is part of it. This is one of the, the coolest things. If you've never had this experience, I hope you get to one day. I've had the opportunity to go different places in the world on mission trips all over. And, and you can go into a, a church with people that you've never met. And you don't speak the same language. We don't eat the same food. We have very different backgrounds, all kinds of stuff. And yet from the moment I walk in that place, it's like we have something in common. And that, what that is is it's Jesus. And because we have Jesus in common, it's like we're family. 
I, can't, I cannot describe that to you in any other way. I'll, I'll meet people, and all of a sudden, they, they, they want to shake your hand. They want to hug. They want to, you know, we're trying to talk through interpreters. And it's like we've got, instantly, we have this closeness that you don't have any other way in, in any other arena in your life. Not with your coworkers. I mean, you got some things in common with your coworkers, but they're your coworkers. You know, you might have that in, in your hobby or whatever, but when you enter into the family of God, all of a sudden, it's like you, you've got brothers and sisters, and, and, it's, and it's, so, it's so amazing because what we have is, is the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Father. We have the same Savior. And that's what he's talking about when he says, our Father. Remember that. Verse 10, he says, may, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as, as, it, as it is in heaven. That's asking, Lord, just take over everything. Take, take it all over. You know, I've talked about this the past couple of weeks, too. When we approach Jesus, sometimes we're saying, okay, God, I, I'm giving you control of, over my life, but only some parts. Because some parts I want to keep to myself. I want to keep doing some of the things that I want to do. I'm not real comfortable. You know, I'm not ready. Uh, you know, maybe I need to grow first. We just, we don't give him access to all parts of our life. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Sam, when, when he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's saying, I, I, we want to see people come to know him as Savior. We want our lives to be in alignment with who God is and what his plans are for us. And we are inviting God to shape us into people who are fully devoted and fully surrendered to him in all areas. And when we pray for his, for his will to be done, I'm, I'm inviting his rule into my life, saying, you just, you just have control over my passions. You can have control over my pride and my, my lust and my greed. You take over all of my life, all of it, and lead me in what you want me to do. Help me to find strength to do your will. Don't bless my plans, but reveal your plans to me and help me to be faithful. In the last few verses specifically ask for uh, provision and forgiveness. I think they're pretty self-explanatory. Give us today our daily bread. We, we get that, okay? Give me what I need for today. Uh, forgiveness, you know, we could preach a sermon on that, although I don't have time today, but we talked about forgiving our enemies. Say, forgive, forgive me as I am in the process of forgiving others. You know, sometimes that's really hard to do, but help me to continue to do that. And then he says, and, and don't let us yield to temptation. Other versions say, lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's, that's interesting. So you might think, well, if, if it says, if he says, lead us not into temptation, does that mean that God could lead us into temptation? Was God tempt me? What, what, does that, what does that mean? That, that, and that's not true. Scripture is very clear that God doesn't tempt anyone, nor can he be tempted by anyone. So what is he saying? He's asking us to be led away from temptation. Lead me toward goodness. It's asking God, don't, don't let me be tested in this moment. I, I, don't, I, I don't have the strength right now. To be tested, you know, and here's the thing that some of you know, you know this. If you're, if you're a person who exercises, you already know that if you're going to be strong, the only way that you get strong is through resistance. You have to put some weight on the bar. You know, you got to do something that's hard. you got to feel that in order for muscle fibers to tear down and for them to repair and, and come back stronger. So why would we be tempted? Why would God allow us to be tempted? The purpose of it is 
to grow, to be stronger. He's, he's working us out like a, like a personal trainer. And he says, I know how much you can handle, and I know what you need to work out, and I'm allowing you to be tempted because as you struggle through this, you will come out on the other end stronger and more mature and more complete, more who I made you to be. You ever been to the grocery store? I know you have. We've been to the grocery store, and you're, you're at the other end of the store, and you can hear, like, a kid that's screaming his, his brains out, and you're like, oh, man, that's, you know, feel bad for whoever that person is. And some of you are like, I'm glad I don't have any more kids. That's, at least that's what I think. I'm always, man, I'm never, never having another kid. That is so great. But, uh, <laughs> but you just hear, and, and you know what's going on. You know why they're screaming. Nine times out of ten, you know exactly why that kid's screaming. It's because they are by the checkout aisle, and there's candy, and they want some, and mom just said no. That's why they're screaming their guts out. And, and, and you see this, and I'll tell you, the, the, worst, <laughs> the worst part about parenting is when you see this mom, maybe she's, you know, she's young, she's 23, 24 years old, and she's got this kid, it's her first kid, and she doesn't know what she's doing, she's trying to figure it all out, and the kid is snotting and throwing himself on the floor and just having a fit because he wants the, you know, he wants this candy, and what is she, so tired, and her hair just looks like it's a mess, and she's just like, I just want to get out of this store, so what does she do? She buys him the candy bar, I think, rookie move, <laughs> yeah, bad idea, but she'll learn, but but one thing, one thing that Megan and I learned when our kids were little is we, we would go to the grocery store together. One of us would go to the checkout line, and the other one would go around the other way and take the kids to the car. We didn't want them. To, we, we don't need to pass by the candy. I don't need you to see that. I don't need you to know about that. We're just going to avoid that whole thing right now so that we can just avoid this little, this little blow-up, right? And, and it spared them the trial, <laughs> Lead us not into temptation is a, is a lot like saying, God, don't take me down the candy aisle today. I don't even want to see it. I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's just recognizing, Lord, I, I'm going to want that thing that I know is not good for me. I'm going to want it. And I'm feeling tired and I'm feeling a little weak. I want it and I can't help it because the flesh is weak. I just, I don't even want to go there. Take me another way, Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Let me, let me read you something life-giving. You know, sometimes you just need somebody to give you permission to, to do what you already know you can do. You know, it's like a counselor would do that. You know, just, they just give you permission. They don't really give you new information. They're just telling you things you already know. Well, here's something that you already know, but just look at it again. Romans 8, verse 12. says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But you already knew that. But isn't it funny how we forget? We say, boy, I just felt like I had no other option there. I was just too weak. It was just too enticing. It was just, you know, we, we come up with lots of excuses for why we do the, why we do the things that we do. But a great reminder, you, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature is urging you to do. You, you've always got a choice. 
And if you're feeling, maybe you're here and you're like, man, I'm just beat up. I am exhausted, tired, and I, I know tomorrow I'm going to go into work and I'm going to deal with the same frustrating situation. And it's just, it's exhausting. And I know I'm going to blow up. Or I know I'm going to say something that I don't mean. Or I know I'm going to have a thought that I shouldn't have and it's going to lead to, a, to some, an action maybe that I shouldn't take. Or I, you know, it, you know, it's just, we're, we're exhausted. Maybe you say, you know, we're married. We've been married for a while, but we're sleeping in separate bedrooms. And it's just, uh, it's just I'm just getting a little tired with this. I'm just getting a little tired with this. And whatever, I, I don't know what it is. You know, you got kids. you got stress. you got pressure in your life. And you say, I'm just, I'm just tired. I think that's the purpose of the Lord's prayers. God, would you just... Lead me away from temptation. Don't take me that way today. Help me be reconciled to you. Help me, help me to be growing in my, in my walk with you. We forget how strong the Lord is. We, we forget that he's, he's, he's got us right in the palm of his hand. We don't have to go through life as if it's all up to us. We can trust ourselves in God's hands. Be faithful in prayer. Just approach him. He's your, he's your father. He cares for you. Let's pray. Lord, we're uh, just thankful for just knowing that you, that you care for us, that you, you're here. That you, and we, we just sang about that, that you, you're never, you're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake or, or uh, turn your back away from us. But help us to remember that. Help us to, to know and understand that you've got us. We pray, and I, I, I lift up every person here, that you would just, just lead us away from temptation this week. Just give us a, a season of refreshing where we can just work out a little bit of this, this, this stuff that you're working in us. Just give us a, a chance to, to take a breath and just enjoy our, our connectedness with you. Lord, there may be somebody in here that maybe they are going through a time of testing right now, and, and that's your will. That is your desire is to test them because you're refining them. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to ask that you would stop that process. But I do pray that you would give them eyes to, to see and, and a heart to understand that, that you're, you're in control. As difficult as, as the season is, it, it, it is for a purpose, and, and you are accomplishing something. So just, just give, them, uh, give them peace. And give that to all of us, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.